Well, hello there, Newtown Road. Good morning. It is good to see you again virtually today. Special thank you to Matt Turgeon, who provided a really helpful worship playlist for us to get our hearts and our minds prepared this morning. What an amazing gift to allow ourselves just to be filled with the promises of God and reflections on His character and His nature and His praises. As mentioned, we're going to try to provide some playlists for you a couple times each week to prepare you for worship, but then also just to give you something to be playing in the background as you're home uh, working or doing schoolwork or just spending time with your family. We might be homebound. We might be uh, stuck at home under house arrest, as it might be, but, but the praises of God aren't bound and the Word of God isn't bound. And so, just like Paul and Silas singing hymns in their prison, we can sing hymns from the confines of our house. And so, I hope you'll be doing that. Keep checking back on our social media feeds regularly to find more encouraging worship music. And maybe maybe you want to share with us something that you find encouraging. What are you listening to this week? Share that with us as well. A couple of important announcements for you this morning. Obviously, all live gatherings are suspended uh, indefinitely until further notice. We'll let you know as soon as that changes, but all of our campus gatherings are suspended. Um, and I don't know about you, but that's, that's proving to be a little more difficult for me than I thought it would. I, uh, I'm struggling and I miss you guys and I, uh, I can't wait till we're all back together. And I'm, I'm a pretty introverted guy, but I'm still really struggling uh, without seeing you. So thank you for your connections online. Let's keep that going. That is, by the way, secondly, that is the most important thing you can do right now. Help us stay connected with our church family by, by taking an active role in that. So you find ways to be connected to your friends, your loved ones, the people you're close with. Um, cards, emails, phone calls, text messages, Facebook, video chat, whatever you have to do in order to stay connected, uh, find a way to stay connected during this season uh, and nurture those relationships. We are still encouraging life groups to meet online virtually. Talk to your life group leader uh, if you've not done that yet. Also, I want to talk to you about giving today. Uh, it's vitally important for us as a church family that we stay faithful to the Lord in this particular season. Our online giving platform is still the easiest way for us to give. Many of you are giving that way right now, and that's an amazing gift to us. Uh, some of you have never tried online giving. This is the perfect season for you to try that. Just go to our website, www.newtownroad.org backslash give, and follow the simple instructions. Or you can always give on our Church Center app if you're comfortable with that. For those of you who prefer, you can mail your gift to the church office, we are, or even just drop it by. It is open from 9 to noon, Monday through Thursday. Someone is here. And I don't mean to unnecessarily alarm you church family and this this for those of you who are watching from other places in the in the country this is for our church family the Newtown Road family I don't mean to alarm you unnecessarily but you need to know church family that we have seen a significant drop in giving over these last few weeks as many churches have um, in the event that this trend continues, our elders are going to need to make some pretty um, serious corrective decisions uh, and bring our expenses down. So in order to make sure that we're able to continue to minister faithfully to our congregation and our community, we need you, Newtown Road, to do your part and to follow the Lord and, and give whatever He has prompted you to give and to do it cheerfully and generously and sacrificially. And we're just going to trust that He provides as He always has for us uh, through this season. Also this morning, back by popular demand, and a questionable wisdom yet again, a very special guest, everybody's favorite, youth and family pastor. That was for the whole Lysol in my mouth thing last week. How did that feel? It was good. It was good. Okay, good. Uh, families... <laughs> 
Uh, thank you for joining us today, and I just wanted to give a quick update for um, for those who have kind of followed along and uh, gotten into this rhythm with us. We want to say thank you, Miss Heather and I are blown away by your engagement with what, what we've been doing on social media. Um, this is all new for us, and so we are just, we're trying a lot of things, and our families are coming through um, better than we ever could have imagined. So, uh, a huge thank you from us, whether it's a scavenger hunt, or a, a, a family night, or family devotions, or youth, like whatever it may be, we wanna say thank you. And I wanna remind you of a few things coming up this week that you can be aware of. First of all is tonight, our sixth to 12th graders are gonna be meeting on Zoom, and that link should have been emailed to uh, most, if not all, the parents. And so if you haven't gotten a link for that, but want it, please shoot me an email, tyler at newtownroad.org. I will give you the link for that Zoom uh, conference call. Last week we had over 50 students and leaders uh, that, that joined us together and then broke off into small groups and studied God's word uh, and connected together. So tonight's gonna be even better. We want you to join us for that at six o'clock uh, tonight on Zoom. Uh, and then tomorrow morning at 8 30 we're going to do a parents prayer meeting on zoom and so again if you don't have the link for that but we would like to invite any parents with kids at 18 or younger to join us if you have a half an hour to jump on to share some needs to connect with each other and to pray uh, as a church body and and then wednesday night uh, we have family devotions again uh, we're, we're still like we're learning and this is fun for us but our family is going to be leading family devotions on wednesday night at 6 30 uh, facebook live uh, and then the church in the students page and the kids page as well. Uh, and then Friday night we have our uh, family challenge Friday. And so don't miss that. It's going to be exciting. We've already had a couple weeks and we we've like really loved the feedback that you've given us and the, the pictures and the family uh, engagement that's going on with that. And so uh, from our offices and our hearts to yours, we miss you, but we thank you for being involved and staying connected. Uh, we're praying for you. If you need anything, please, please let us know. Back to you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Tyler, for, uh, for that update, and thank you for all the work that you've been doing to just keep us focused on our youth and family programming. Um, it is a challenging season for all of us, uh, but I'm so proud of our staff team. They are doing everything they can to, um, to adapt to ministry in a changing environment, uh, rapidly changing and challenging environment. All right, let's get this morning into our Bible study, shall we? We're in Mark chapter 6 again today. Uh, if you have a Bible, you want to follow along with us at home. Today we get a front row seat as Jesus performs one of his most well-known miracles. In fact, all four of the gospel writers, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, included this miracle in their stories of Jesus' life. I think that just maybe we're supposed to sit up, be, pay attention, and be focused in here on what's happening. Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 30. This morning, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray together before we begin. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God, that it nurtures and satisfies our soul, that you minister to your church through your Word, that God, even in, a, in the midst of a global health crisis, the Word still brings powerful fruit in our lives. We ask this morning that as we're scattered all around the region, that our hearts would be united as one in submission to your will as revealed through the pages of the scriptures. Pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. That we would sense and know what you'd have for us. And that you'd give us the courage to follow you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Mark chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to make a few observations and hopefully come to some application points for us as well. The first thing I want us to look at is the retreat and the recovery of these disciples. You can see in verse 30 to 32, they come back off of their gospel road tour. You might remember last week, we took a detour and we talked about the death of John the Baptist at the hands of Herod. But that, that interlude was just that, a bit of a parenthesis. It was, it was kind of included in the middle of the narrative. And now we jump back into the storyline. And what was that storyline? Well, two weeks ago, Jesus had commissioned the disciples and sent them out. And they were doing the works that Jesus was also doing. They were healing people. They were exercising demons. They were um, speaking and preaching the message of the kingdom. They were doing it all under Jesus' authority. So now their multi-city gospel road show is finally headed back home. And as they gather together, they just want to tell Jesus about all that they saw happen. They want to tell him about all the things that they did and what they experienced as they were out doing ministry. And Jesus tells them, as, as they come home to give that report, he says, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. He, he says to them, we need some rest. You guys have been running hard. It's time now just to take, take a break and recovery. So many were in the crowds. They, the, the Bible tells us in verse 32, they were pressing in on them. They couldn't even eat. It reminds us of that, that crowded house in the first or second chapter of Mark where they let the paralytic down through the roof. There were so many people pressing in that the disciples couldn't even move to have a meal. They needed some space. They were very bad at social distancing. They were just consumed and pressed in around the disciples. Probably sounds like some of your houses this week as you are trying to figure out homeschooling and working and remote working and all that goes in with that. And it feels like we're on top of each other. They just needed to get away by themselves. So they get in a boat, 
by themselves without the crowd and they sailed off to a desolate place. A quick thought here about the, the role and the great value of godly rest. These disciples had been out grinding. They were moving town to town, ministering to needy people. And after a while, it wears them down. So Jesus tells them to go and disconnect and recover for a little bit. Some of us, some of us need to hear this today. This is not a call to avoid work. This is not a call to laziness. This is a call to Sabbath, to resting. This is a call to seeking God's grace, to refill, to replenish, to refuel us so that we're ready for the next thing that he leads us to do. Some of us, if we're honest, have a very difficult time slowing down and taking it easy. It's it's almost as if we feel that if we stop, we'll get in trouble somewhere. Or, Or we feel if we don't push ourselves to the point of exhaustion, we're not really doing the work that we're called to do. And I want to offer you a different perspective today. I want to offer you the perspective of Jesus, the rest of Jesus. Your value and your worth are not determined by the contribution you make. Your value and your worth are not determined by your white-knuckled efforts. Your value value instead is determined by Jesus' saving efforts for you. You can rest in him because he's done all the work for you. You are received, accepted, welcomed, and adopted as sons and daughters through him. Not because of the work work you provide, but because of what he's provided for you. So because of that, because we're confident and secure in who we are in Jesus, we can slow down for a little bit. So to all you workaholics out there, there are times... When the godliest, the holiest, the most sacred thing you can do is to take a nap. Learn from the disciples of Jesus. Get away to a remote place with Jesus and rest. Learn to find peace and comfort in Him and not in the glory of our own accomplishments. But their retreat gets cut a little short. Look at verse 33. They were were ambushed. It's almost like their success has actually doomed them. See, the crowd saw where they were headed, figured out where they were going, and the crowd ran on ahead of them. So when they got there and got off the boat, the crowd was already waiting for them. They were were discovered before they even got to, to hide. Some of you dads know how this feels this week. You're trying to hide in corners of your bedroom or locking the doors of bathrooms just to get some some peace and quiet. Some of you moms know this all too well. But you get found out by your children. They know where you are and they're knocking. Hey, mom, dad, I need you. We're not told what the response of the disciples was. We we know what Jesus' response to the crowds were. I can tell you what mine would have been. My response would have been frustration and disappointment. I got on this boat thinking that when I got off the boat, I was going to be able to relax. I was going to take a mini vacation. I was going to recharge and refresh. But Jesus' response is different. Jesus' response to the crowds was compassion. He looked on them with compassion, and the scriptures tell us that he sees them as sheep without A shepherd, and that is a loaded phrase and a loaded theme that that Mark brings up to us. We'll get back to that later, but keep that in mind. Jesus looked on the crowd and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. So he does what the sheep need the shepherd to do. He begins to speak to them. 
and he teaches them. Because teaching is able to satisfy their needs, their deepest need. Their deepest need was to know his message. Remember what his message was, the opening verses of Mark. His message is that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is near in the person of Jesus, repent and believe in the gospel. So he spends time teaching them. As the day drags on, the disciples, who who no doubt were a little impatient, came to Jesus to let him know that they had a bit of a problem. These guys thought they were getting a break, realized quickly this is not a break. It's not even like a working vacation. It's just straight work. They are about, they're about to hit a significant glitch in this plan. This is a desolate place. There's that word again. Some of your translations may say remote or lonely. Three times in four verses, Mark uses that word for us. You think that he wants us to know what kind of place that we're in. You might, you might think that there's a reason that he continues to point out that one little word, desolate or remote or lonely, and there is. And if you stick with us for just a couple more minutes, I hope you'll see it. So the disciples say, Jesus, we're in a, we're in a remote place, a desolate place. The hour is late. It's approaching dinner time. The crowd is tired. They ran on ahead. They've been standing here in the sun, listening to you teach all day. I'm pretty sure they didn't have food trucks uh, circling around the, the, uh, the gathering. There's no Uber Eats. They can pull out their phone and order food. These people need food. They're far away from towns. They need to be fed. We cannot, the disciples have a very good idea, we cannot and should not be responsible for taking care of this. They need to do it themselves. This is their problem. So they say to Jesus, Jesus, send them home. Which is a, a bold move to say for the disciple to speak to the master that way. It's a pretty arrogant move. Jesus, you need to send them home because it's late and we're in a remote place and they need to eat. And Jesus looks at them with all the compassion he can muster up and he says, You take care of it, guys. Did you catch that? No, we're not sending them away. No, no I'm, I'm not sending these people away hungry. You figure out a solution. This is great. This is great. Jesus knew they couldn't find a solution. Jesus knew that they lacked the resources. He knew that they were far away from anything remotely resembling a village. He knew that they didn't have the food with them to feed these people. But in a masterful move, Jesus leads them headlong into their insufficiencies. He, He leads them into the emptiness of their own resources. The hopelessness of their own supply. There is a good word for us, Newtown Road, right here in this. God works in our lives in very similar ways. As he leads us all the way to the end of our own abilities and the end of our resources before he reveals himself to us as our portion and our strength and our provision. And although although the process is very uncomfortable and is most times undesirable, The beauty is that on the other side of that process, God brings great fruit to our lives as we learn to walk with him through that. Okay, so so back to our passage now. They say, look, we can't can't fix this problem. We We don't have the resources. It would take 200 denarii, which is somewhere around six to eight months worth of wages. It would take over half a year's salary to feed all these people. It's possible there were 20,000 or more there. We're told at the end of the chapter that there's 5,000 men, but if the men came with their wives or children, there could be upwards of 20 to 25,000 people on this hillside. 
They say, look, we can't fix this. All, all, we don't have the money to do this. Six months wages wouldn't do it. And a, note, a thought came to me this week as I was preparing. These guys have already seen Jesus calm the seas. They've seen him rebuke the wind. They've seen him heal paralyzed people. They've seen him exercise demons. They've seen him heal diseases, raise the dead, and the list goes on. And they're still not sure that he can handle this. And, and I wrote this question down in my notes as I was studying this week. I wonder how much of God I would have to see in order to be able to trust him. It's challenging, isn't it? I don't think that I would pass this test any better than they did. And I hope you'd be honest enough to say that you're, you find yourself struggling with that too. We have seen God do some pretty amazing things in our lives. We've watched him answer our prayers. We've watched him save our souls. We've seen him give us forgiveness when we deserved condemnation. We've watched as he's provided for us over and over and over again. As he's walked with us through trial and darkness and grief and suffering. We have seen God at work in our lives and yet still we struggle to trust him. Even in this, in this coronavirus mess that we're in right now, it's a daily battle to take captive every one of our thoughts and submit them to Jesus and not get caught up in the, in the hysteria of it all. I wonder how much of Jesus I would have to see before I was willing to trust him. Newtown wrote, I, w I wonder maybe this week, it might be helpful to get along with a journal and just start making a list of some of the amazing things you've watched God do through trials in your life. And maybe it would give us a little better, a better sense of hope, better sense of courage with what God's doing in this season. So Jesus hears their, their cries. Look, we can't do this. We don't, have, we don't have enough. And Jesus says to them, all right, I've got it. I'll take care of it, guys. I'll tell you what to do. You go see what we have. So the disciples go rummage through their backpacks and baskets and they bring back to Jesus what they found. Five loaves of bread and two fish. The grand haul, the, the bounty that they just amassed, the treasure of food that they, is five little loaves and two small fish. So now it's clear, they are absolutely in trouble. Just in case you're keeping track at home, there is no way that five loaves and two fish are gonna feed thousands of people. And Jesus tells them, all right, have the people sit down. And they sit down in groups of 50 and groups of 100, which possibly could be a look back to the Old Testament where Moses divided up the children of Israel in the wilderness into groups of 50 and groups of 100 in order to lead them and care for them better. And the Bible tells us that he had them sit down on the green grass. And as soon as I was write, uh, making notes, the first time I read through this passage, I, I made a little note right there and wrote a question next to it. I said, why did it say green grass? Grass is green, we know that. Why did it mention green grass? Mark tells us that they sat down on the green grass. And as I was reading through the passage, I wondered, what is he trying to communicate to us? This is so good. Do you remember a few verses ago where he says that, that Jesus saw the crowd and looked on them with compassion and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd? The Old Testament is full, loaded full of this imagery of, of God being the shepherd of Israel, the shepherd of his people. 
In fact, Moses in, in Numbers 27, 17 is praying near the end of his life that God would send another leader so that his people would not be like sheep without a shepherd. Do you remember Psalm 23? You remember what David says in that Psalm, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or I shall not be lacking. He makes me to lie down in what? Green pastures. And he restores my soul. What is he trying to communicate? Jesus saw the crowd gathered in a desolate place, has compassion on them, and then has them sit down in the green grass. In this moment, Jesus is affirming and revealing his identity as the shepherd of the people of God. So they're all sitting down in groups of 50 and groups of hundreds. And Jesus takes the bread and the fish and he looks up to heaven and he prays a blessing and he begins to break the bread. And he gives it to the disciples. Takes the bread, he breaks it, hands it to the disciples and they take it to the people. And the Bible says in verse 42 that the bread and fish were divided among them all. All 5,000 men and whoever was with them that day ate and the scriptures tell us they were satisfied. I love that word. They didn't just get a little bite. They were satisfied, full stomachs. And then in verse 43, we're told that there are 12 baskets full left over. Could be 12 for the number of the disciples who lacked the faith to believe. Absolutely could. Could be 12 for the number of the tribes of Israel that this shepherd of the people of God has enough to sustain God's people with abundance. It could. Maybe in God's wisdom, it's both. 5,000 men plus their families eat that day with five loaves and two fish because Jesus performs his most famous miracle. All right. So what? So what? What does that mean? You and I aren't stranded in desolate places. If, I mean, if you're in the toilet paper aisle at Price Chopper, it might seem desolate. We're not stranded somewhere in a remote village that we can't get to resources. We're not isolated like that. What does that mean for us? How are we supposed to draw any kind of application? I'm so glad you asked that question. Here, here's the big theme, the really big grand theme that Mark is trying to get us to see from this passage today is, that, is this, that Jesus is being revealed to the readers of the Gospel of Mark and to you and I today, Jesus is being revealed as the shepherd of the people of God. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. He finds them in the wilderness, in the remote and desolate place, and he ministers to them. He leads them to sit down in the green grass. He provides for his people. He feeds them both his word, and then he feeds them bread and fish. And they are satisfied in the desolate places at the hands of the good shepherd. And he provides so much for them that there is an abundance remaining. Can you see in that story today, in the revelation of who God is, can you see the foreshadowing of the death of Jesus Christ? Can you see in your mind's eye him being led out to a remote, desolate place? His body broken for us as the crowds watch on? Can you see the beauty of the gospel on display as all who believe in Jesus, all who partake of his body, 
have eaten their fill and have been satisfied. All who have tasted and seen that the Lord is indeed good. This is a beautiful picture of the shepherd of Israel who will not only be the shepherd leading and guiding, but also the sacrifice that purifies his people will be the sustaining grace that they need to eat and drink to to survive. He is for them all of it. So in the big picture, that's what God is revealing to us. Okay, so what about the micro level? What about the day-to-day nuts and bolts coronavirus lockdown level? What does it mean for you and me today? Here's what it means. First thing I want you to hear is this. He sees you. Not, not listen, not like Santa Claus sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. No, no. He sees you and notices you and your needs. Nothing has escaped his eye. He recognizes where you're weak. He recognizes where you're struggling. He recognizes where you're anxious and depressed and discouraged and lonely and craving attention and craving connection. He sees you right where you are in all of the emptiness of your own resource. But his response to you is not the response of a judgmental and selfish father. His response to you and to your neediness is compassion. Not contempt, not scorn, but compassion. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with compassion. I, I grew up in a house where, where we were just told, look, just rub some dirt in it if you're hurt. I mean, I, it's a difficult thing sometimes for the needy people in my life to get that response from me. And unfortunately, far too often, I turn on them instead of turning toward them with compassion. Jesus' response to us and our neediness is not to turn away from us in contempt, but turn towards us with compassion. Another thing you need to keep in mind is that he has provided for us all of our needs in himself with his own life. Taste and see that he is good. The greatest need we had was the need for a savior. Our sin separated us from God because of his holiness and righteousness. And we were separated and apart from him. That means we're not his children. We weren't members of his family. We're not, we're not good with God on our own. We need something to bridge that gap. And he provided in himself the bridge between us and God. He is the savior. Taste and see that God is good. And here's a point that you need to keep in mind too, Newtown Road. God provides for his church in the remote and the desolate places. Places like today, places like mandatory lockdowns and quarantines, places when we're unsure and uncertain and fearful about the future, God provides for his church in the remote and the desolate places. And in fact, the scriptures teach us that the good shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And it is in the valley of the shadow of death that his presence with us, his closeness and his nearness give us courage. We don't have to be afraid because he's with us. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the message of the Bible. Thank you that it teaches us more and more about who you are and what you desire for us. Thank you that we can identify you as the good shepherd in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would seek your leadership, that we would heed your voice, that we would stay close to you. Lord, we pray that you would continue to provide for us in ways that only you can through this season. We pray for your flock here at Newtown Road, that you would launch us into greater ministry than we've ever known before. 
Give us greater joy in you than we've ever experienced. Use us in our communities to reach our friends and loved ones with the message of hope in the gospel. We pray for the community to be safe and healthy and well. God, we pray for your movement here. We ask God that you would intervene in our country, that you would push back this virus, that you would overcome it, that we would be able to experience life as normal again in the near future. And until then, God, strengthen your church for the tasks at hand. Fit us for this battle. God, be with us and and take away our fear and replace it instead with courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a great privilege to be in your home week after week and teaching the Bible. Special thanks to all of you who are visiting with us today. We see you there. We'd love to connect with you. Drop us an email and let us know that you're enjoying uh, the sermons as we post them each week. If you want to do some further reading about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, I would strongly suggest John chapter 10. There's some great stuff there about um, the ministry of the Good Shepherd in the lives of the sheep. And I would encourage you to read that, talk it over with your family um, in the coming week. Newtown Road, it's been real. We're having a lot of fun and uh, look forward to seeing you again as soon as we can all get together. Well, hello there, Newtown Road. Good morning. It's so good to see you. <laughs>